And with the same heart of worship, go ahead and take your Bibles and open them to James chapter 1. It's time, y'all. It's time. I love the Bible. I know that may sound silly, um, but I mean, I really do. I love it so much that I spend way more money than I should on buying really nice Bibles. And um, it's not that funny, though, Ashley. I don't, and um, this is my sermon. I do. I buy really nice Bibles. I buy really cheap Bibles, too. I have more Bibles than... I mean, honestly, then, you know, I should send some of them to people around the world who don't have Bibles. The only thing is they're not in their language. But I do, and I am glad to support, I, I don't know, many of you today are probably using Uversion on your phone. And um, I'm glad to support them. I do support them financially even because I am so grateful for the ministry of Uversion because I don't know that there's a more important tool and a more important element to spreading the gospel than the word of God itself. And I love the Bible. I love it so much. I, um, I started reading the Bible when I was, right after I became a Christian, um, started reading in the King James Version because if it was good enough for Paul, it was good enough for me. And, um, and I, um, I didn't understand a lot of it. In fact, if I'm, to be honest with you, I didn't understand hardly any of it. Um, the Bible I had wasn't a study Bible because, you know, if you're a real Christian, the Holy Spirit will tell you what it means as you read it. That's what, I, that's what I was kind of informed of anyway. And uh, I am proud today to tell you it was not until I went to college and took Old Testament and New Testament survey that I understood that Saul from the Old Testament and Saul from the New Testament were actually two different people. I had preached sermons, guys. Listen, I had probably preached 10, 15 times, and I, it, was, it wasn't until Bible college that I understood the difference between the two individuals and maybe today, you know, you're maybe, you may be thinking that the Joseph who had a coat of many colors also was the, uh, the, the, the earthly father of Jesus, like I did as well. Uh, and I just want you to know that's okay, because there's one thing that I want to do at Lifehouse, and um, one thing that's a priority for me. There's a lot of things that are priority for me, but one thing that is near the very top of that list is to teach you the Word of God. And if I can, if I can impart to you not necessarily the knowledge or the wisdom that comes from the Word of God, but if I can impart to you a desire to read it more and to learn from it more, then, then I am doing my job, okay? Then I'm doing it right. Um, and I hope that you will take it upon yourself as a man or woman of God, the responsibility that is not my responsibility, that is no one else's responsibility other than you, for you to get in your Word. Remember, it wasn't that long ago, 500 years ago, in, which in the, in the span of history, it was, that's not that long ago. 500 years ago, men and women gave their lives so that we could have a, a, uh, the Bible in a language that we could understand and read for ourselves. And even in countries today, all around the world, if you were to be caught with one of these books, it could mean imprisonment or execution for you. So I want to encourage you that we would take advantage of the, the freedoms and the privileges that we have as Americans and as Christians to grow in this word, to literally hide it in our heart that we may not sin against him. Are you thankful for the Bible this morning? Amen. I love it. I love the, 
the epic stories. My wife is making fun of me pretty much daily now because um, Amazon Prime released a, a new series called Rings of Power. And um, so I'm, I've always been a Lord of the Rings fan. Samwise Gamgee is the real hero. Can I get an amen? And it's not just because I favor Sean Astin. It's because it's the gospel truth. And Rudy is a great movie as well. Um, but truthfully, um, as amazing as Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and, and even now this show, as, as epic as they are, I don't think anything tops the Word of God when it comes to epic stories. Uh, I absolutely am sure that nothing tops the Word of God when it comes to words of wisdom and encouragement. And I think maybe what I appreciate most about the Word of God, and we'll even see a little bit of this today as we read in James, is that it's not, it, it, it's not a story that tries to make the people who follow God look like they're better than they are. But it's very honest. You know, we, we hear about people like Abraham who, who sinned even though he had been called by God, who, who slept with his wife's maid in order to try to forfeit or rather to expedite the promises God had made with him. And obviously that wasn't the plan of God. But, but in, the middle, in the middle of Abraham's sin, in the middle of Moses' sin when he murders an Egyptian, there is still an element of the grace and the love of God that, that like I said earlier, reaches down further than they could reach up. And, and it shows us all throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, how God takes broken people and he redeems their brokenness and he does amazing things in them and through them. And when I read those stories about these real people with real struggles who did really bad things, I mean, some of these things I'm thinking, man, you know, I'm just trying not to like get mad and say a bad word while I'm driving. You know, like if this was Old Testament times, you know, people can get shot, guys. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happened, right? And so, but as I read about these real people with these real struggles, I am reminded that there, that there is a real God in heaven who, who really sees me and who really loves me. And he is able, just like he was for them, to take my doubts, to take my pain, to take my broken, brokenness and to redeem it and to use it for my good and for his glory. Amen. Are you thankful? The Bible, 66 books, 40 different, 40 plus different authors who were inspired by the Holy Spirit, written in three different languages on three different con continents over a span of 1,500 years. And about 1,700 years ago was canonized into the document, into this single flowing document that we have today. And so today... I want to begin a series of talks. And I don't know how long they'll go. I don't know how long we're going to stay in James 4. But we're going to cover the book of James. And, and what is interesting, as some of you may not be aware, is that James might be the most controversial book in your Bible. Um, which is pretty cool because if there's anything I like, it's a good controversy. Um, we won't talk about the controversy today, but I can assure you we'll get there all in good time. So here's just some some bullet point facts to just sort of get you focused in on James. So James was written around 49 AD, which is pretty cool because that means it was written just 16 years after 
the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, making James one of the earliest Christian documents. Uh, scholars believe Galatians beat it by just a little bit, but James would probably come in at number two. And something that a lot of people, and understandably so, may not realize is the James who wrote our book of James was not disciple James. You know, Jesus had his 12 disciples, and among his 12, he had his three closer disciples, Peter, James, and John. Now, James and John were brothers. Uh, Jesus calls them the brothers of thunder, right? Because they were, they were, they, they were just loud, you know. Um, think Carlos Cole, right? He's working our lobby this morning on our safety team. Appreciate you, Carlos. Uh, but, you know, James would have been the guy, along with his brother John, who would have been in the front row of the church, amen, and louder than anybody else. So can they got any James in the house today? Anybody want to help me out? Yeah. But that's not the James that we're talking about today. So, so don't get too excited about that, James. Now, the James that we're talking about today was actually the half-brother of Jesus, the son of of Joseph and Mary, who wrote the book of James. So James chapter 1, verse 1, this is what the Bible says. I've got a lot of scripture for you today. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And that's all we're going to read out of James. I said I had a lot of scripture. I didn't tell you it was all coming from James. Will you pray with me and pray for me this morning? Father, we're so grateful for our time spent in your presence. And God, I pray that over the next few moments that you would help our hearts to be receptive to your word, to be inspired by your spirit, and to be changed by your love. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll forgive me this morning if I take a few drinks of water and, and use my handkerchief more than often. The uh, changing seasons have interrupted my... Can I get a witness in the house? Anybody got stock in Allegra this morning or Zyrtec? Um, yeah, praise the Lord for... Um, man, there's a good Sudafed joke, but I just don't think I can tell it in church today. Uh, ask me later and I'll fill you in on that. I just don't think it would be appropriate. Do you guys want to hear it anyway? <laughs> My wife said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> you don't even know what it is. You know that if I'm struggling to tell it, it must be bad. Because I usually just say anything. Um, I, wanna, I wanna, Before I go any further, I want to thank Kai Alpha, Brooke, and Avery, and Jared for helping us out today. Our incredible worship pastor, Don Miller, is on vacation, so uh, we're just grateful to have people in our church. And thank you to Jonathan and Amanda. Uh, while the rest of the worship team enjoyed the day off, they, they got roped in somehow. So, man, I love you guys. appreciate you so much. And uh, media team, I just want to offer a, a, a thanks to our media team. Here's the thing about our media team. If everything goes right, they get no recognition because everybody forgets they exist. But if everything goes wrong, they get 100% of the blame. It's pretty much the most thankless job in the church, I think. Out, maybe, you know, followed closely by nursery workers and people who make the coffee, right? But can we give it up for our incredible media team left by, led by Jeff Ballard? 
And if you would like to serve on our incredible media team, Jeff would love to talk to you. Uh, I think they're looking for at least one to two dozen more volunteers in our media team. Mm. So appreciate you, Jeff, and all you do, and everyone who, who serves with Jeff. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my oldest daughter, Olivia, celebrated her 10th birthday. Yeah, come on, give it up for Olivia, turning 10. Give it up for a parent who realizes that, wow, it's been 10 years, time is going so fast, I can't believe I am that old already. And, um, and I, we're not, I don't want to make fun of people, but we are not the parents who have big birthday parties every year for our kids. I, I don't know how y'all do it. I just honestly, it's like for most years, we're just like, hey, invite a friend over, here's a cake, and uh, you know, no big deal, whatever. And then there, there are the parents, and more power to you, you, you just, you're just better parents than we are, I guess. Uh, there are the parents that like for, you know, every single birthday, it's like, you know, we have to sell, the number one thing that's always funny to me is that we have to celebrate it on the actual day of the birthday, like, that's a big deal. Like, it doesn't matter that it's Sunday. It doesn't matter that it's the Super Bowl. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It has to be on the day of the birthday. And to me, that's crazy. I'm not, I'm not talking bad about you. I'm just saying that's just not how we do it. It's just like, you know, your birthday's coming up in three weeks. Let's go ahead and get it out of the way. <laughs> or your birthday was three weeks ago. I guess we need to buy you a present. You know, um, that's, just, that's just how we roll. And our kids are so thankful for that, obviously. <laughs> um, but it was her 10th birthday, and we did want it to be a little extra special. We told her for 10, what, 13, 16, 18, and then after that, we don't care. You're on your own. Yeah, you know, so we had a, we had a little party, uh, which it, by most standards was a small party. For us, it's the biggest party we've ever thrown for our kids. Um, and, and so we, we had people come, and there was cake, or actually there wasn't cake, there was ice cream, right? Um, there were presents, uh, and earlier this year, actually at the beginning of the year, we started a, uh, where we wanted to teach our kids about financial responsibility. So we started them with an allowance, they have checking accounts, savings accounts, and so uh, this is the first birthday party to be celebrated, really, since we've started doing it, uh, that po and implemented that policy. So Olivia, let's just say, racked up some cash over the last couple of weeks, um, to which my middle child, Julia, was not that happy about. Um, now listen, I'm not going to talk bad about my kids. Honestly, I think, I think all parents see their children through rose-colored glasses, right? Um, you probably think your baby is the prettiest. You probably think your son is the most handsome. And as far as you're concerned, you're right. And anybody who disagrees with you can, can, can move, you know, to California. So, um, haha, it's funny. A lot of folks from California in here today. Uh, there are actually, I'm not joking. If you don't know that, like half the church is now from California. Um, so if you are from California, you are, you are in good company. Um, but that's where we send people we don't like, though, right? <laughs> Jesus, forgive me in advance, for I know not the things that I do. Maybe it's the Sudafed. I don't know. Um, back at the birthday party, I got the spirit of Randy Carter on me this morning. Um, so 
I, I don't want to talk bad about them because there's really nothing bad to say. They are sisters separated by 19 months. So obviously there is some tension there when one of the sisters is getting most of the attention, in fact, pretty much all of the attention, all of the gifts and all of the money, and the other sister is looking at still only having $50 in her checking account. So if you would like to make a donation to Julia, <laughs> go right ahead. And the reason why I bring that story up is because, um, you know, we, we have three girls uh, as daughters, and, and they, they get along really well 95% of the time. But that 5% of the time where they don't get along, guys, it is intense. I mean, it is real. It is like, listen, if they could get their pocket knives out of the safe, somebody would be bleeding. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, the reason why I bring that up is because it does us well to remember that James is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? And so, I just, let me just set the stage for you a little bit. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some scriptures here to help you understand how James probably felt about his older brother Jesus, okay? So the first scripture I wanna go to is Mark chapter six, verse three. And this, is, this occurs when Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth and he wants to do ministry in his hometown. And this is what the people say in Mark 6, verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James? Joseph, Judas. Now, Judas, everybody say Judas. This is not Judas Iscariot. This is Judas, the half-brother of Jesus, and he actually authored the book in your Bible called Jude. Now, I can only assume that when he authored that book, he decided to go by Jude instead of Judas because he didn't want to be confused with Judas Iscariot, right? So, so, and now obviously we have James here. So, and he says, they say, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And the Bible says they took offense at him. Now, if you go on and you read that story, you'll discover that, the, that Jesus says he was unable to do many miracles there because of the people's unbelief. And, and, and they thought, see, they, they listed these things. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the brother of James and Judas and Joseph and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And so they thought they knew Jesus because they knew things about Jesus. But in fact, the fact that they thought they knew Jesus is what kept them from knowing Jesus. And can I just tell you, this isn't the message for today, but you can, you can take this little nugget home with you. Oftentimes, our assumed knowledge of Jesus keeps us from knowing Jesus intimately and personally. What we think we know about Jesus keeps us from truly knowing him. So, so we paint that picture there. So James is, is listed among the crowd. Uh, and so we don't know that he was there in that moment, but he is somebody that they're referencing too. We go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 21, when his family, now we've already listed his family, right? We've got his brothers and, and, and we know about his sisters. When his family heard about this, talking about Jesus, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Now, they probably didn't say it so eloquently. They probably, thought, they probably said, our brother's nuts. And, and so they said, when his family heard about this, what was the this? Well, you need to go and you need to read back. Remember, the Bible is awesome. You should read it. The this that they're referring to is Jesus was healing people. 
Or at least they were hearing stories about people being healed by Jesus. Jesus was standing up on mountains and preaching to huge crowds and claiming to feed 5,000 plus of them at a time. That Jesus had actually gathered disciples unto himself. So when they hear about this, that Jesus is making these proclamations and when the Jesus is doing these miracles, they say about him, uh, we got to go, go get him. We got to go stop him because he's obviously crazy. Our brother, and you, you know, we don't know. There's nothing said. Uh, but you have to assume that they may have thought, you know, yeah, 15 years ago, our brother told us, yeah, I'm God. And, you know, I obviously thought that he was just, you know, being weird that day. But here he is now. Uh, he thinks he's the Messiah. He thinks he's God come to earth. So he's gathering his followers. He's claiming to do all these things. Obviously, he's out of his mind. So let's go get him before people do something bad to him. And so now we skip over to John chapter 7, starting at verse 1. You guys with me so far? The Bible says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. Now hold on to that nugget right there. The Jewish leaders were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers, now this includes James, right, said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea. In other words, uh, go to the place where people want to kill you, please. Can you please go there? That would be great. Oh, they want to murder you? Yeah, that's where you should go. That's where you need to go hang out. Jesus' brother said to him, uh, leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. And so you can, there's, there is layers and layers and layers of anger, hatred, and sarcasm all over this text. Do you feel that? Go, go to the place where they want to kill you so that your followers that you've gathered can see all the awesome stuff that you claim to do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Jesus, all these years, you've been talking about how one day you're going you're gonna to give yourself up for the whole world and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Well, maybe, you know, if you want to be such a big shot, then, then go be a big shot. Go to the Feast of Tabernacles and go show everybody what you can do. And if they kill you, then, well, that's just too bad. That's, that's, that's what's happening here. And then this last sentence, for even his own brothers did not believe him. So how many of you would agree with me that this is a little bit more than a uh, simple sibling rivalry, right? This is a little more intense than uh, you got a present and I didn't, right? And, and can you imagine, like, come on, I think that if we're going to be honest, we should be able to sympathize with Jesus' brothers and his sisters pretty well. I mean, it had to be hard growing up with Jesus, right? Because Jesus would be the kid that, Never got in trouble, right? Jesus would be the kid that when, you know, Mary said, hey, can one of you go to the market and get some bread? And Jesus would be like, no need, boom, here you go, mom. I got you, I got you. You know, I was even thinking, like, maybe that's where the phrase, what would Jesus do, came from. You know, maybe one day Mary was looking at James and James threw a rock at somebody and Mary said, James, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't do that. Can't you be more like your brother Jesus? And so I'm sure all throughout their childhood, there was probably a little bit of bitterness that took root in their heart because of their older brother being the son of God and perfect in every way, right? 
And, and so uh, I, it is funny, but it's also kind of real, right? But, but here's what's interesting to me, and hopefully this will be interesting to you as well. Something changed. Something happened in the life of James. And it obviously changed in the life of Judas or Jude as well. And we can hope that it probably changed in the rest of Jesus' family. So if you go to Acts 1, and I'm not going to read the verses specifically, but James is listed among the 120 people who gather in the upper room waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. James and Mary and Jesus' brothers and his family are among those that, you know, when Jesus ascended, before he ascended into heaven, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait on the gift that I've promised you. And then we read about it in Acts chapter 2. On the, on the day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, uh, the Holy Spirit came down, and I'm just paraphrasing here, and, and, it, and the Holy Spirit descended on them like tongues of fire, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. James is among those people in Acts 1 and in Acts 2. So something has shifted here, right? So if we, if we skip ahead and we go to Acts chapter 12, in Acts chapter 12 we have the story where Peter has been put in prison. It's a really cool story. Go read it because like I said 15 times before, your Bible is pretty cool. You should read it. But Peter has been put in prison and so all of the saints are, are, are there and they're praying and they're praying for Peter to be released because if he's not released, he's probably going to be executed. And so, so Peter is, is released from jail miraculously as the gates swing open and he walks out. And he goes to the house where everybody's standing and he knocks on the door. And this lady, Rhoda, answers the door and she sees Peter and then she shuts the door. And she goes and she says, hey guys, they must have already killed Peter because I just saw his ghost. Like, again, once again, let me just reemphasize to you. Bible, real people, real issues, sometimes real weird, like us, right? And, 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 and so she goes back to the door and opens it, and Peter says, hey, go tell the brothers and James that I am here. And James is listed specifically here because we believe that James, at this point in Acts chapter 12, was either a key leader in the Jerusalem church, but more than likely, he was probably the actual pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So, you guys following me here? So, Acts chapter 1, James is, the, is among the 120. Acts chapter 12, we have very good evidence to support the, the thought that James is the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And then we go to Acts chapter 15, and this is what's called the Jerusalem Council, right? This is where we have Paul and Barnabas. And, and one of the things that is happening is they are discussing uh, where they're going to go and preach to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are anybody who becomes a Christian who is not Jewish, who wasn't already a Jew. And so guess who, and I bet you, you should get this, guess who is overseeing the Jerusalem Council? It's not a trick question. Come on, everybody at once. James. James is overseeing the Jerusalem Council. And in fact, it was James. Now, I want to say this delicately, but I also want to, you know, if, if, if when you were born, if you weren't born Jewish and, and your mother or father decided, you know what, um, we're, we're going to leave them, if you're, if you're a man, this is, that is, we're going to leave them like they are. Anybody, anybody? Intact, that's so great. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, we're going to leave them as they are. Well, if that was you, if it weren't for James, the moment you became a Christian, in your next steps class, before you could be baptized, you might have to have a little operation. Does any, you guys following me here? Do I have to just say it? Please don't make me say it. I don't want to say it. And so James actually says this in Acts 15, 19. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And that would have certainly made it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God if it wasn't for James in this moment. James is the one who sways the council in this direction to not include, and I'm just going to say it, circumcision in following Christ. Because up until that point, they believed that if you wanted to follow Jesus, you first had to become a Jew, and you had to do all the things a Jew does, and then you could follow Jesus. But James is saying that Jesus has fulfilled the law. He, he, the law has been made complete. So, so the law is no longer what we have to abide by. Now we have to abide by the law of the Spirit, which came because of Jesus. You guys with me? In Galatians chapter 2, by, written by Paul himself, Paul names James as one of the pillars of the church. And then finally, in James' own words, how does he introduce himself? This, to me, is, is so telling of his heart. It's so telling of the spirit that James had and the transition that took place in James' life between John 7 and Acts 1. This is what he says. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't introduce himself as an apostle. Do you know why? Because he's not an apostle. Because he wasn't one of the people who followed Jesus during his earthly ministry. He doesn't, he doesn't even introduce himself as the brother of Jesus. But in fact, he goes so far to say and introduce himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you have a brother or sister in this room? Raise your hand. Raise, raise your hand. Have a brother or sister. How many, keep your hand, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. How many of you, if, if, would you be willing to, to introduce yourself to somebody else as a servant of the Lord and then put your brother's or sister name in there? And if you wouldn't, put your hand down. Yeah, it's getting weird if you leave it up, okay? Yeah, so, so something significant must have happened in James's life, right? For him to, to literally go from, from saying, you know, Jesus is crazy. Literally, literally, that's what they're saying. He's out of his mind. And they literally encouraged him to go to a place where they knew people wanted to kill him right? That, 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 is, that is the transition to, to, from, from, yes, Jesus, my brother, he's out of his mind. And yes, they want to kill you over there. Maybe you should go ahead and go over there and just see what happens. You know, I mean, we'll just see. To all these years later, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's, here, here's, here's the bottom line. You guys ready for the bottom line? If somebody claims to be God in your life that you know, whether they're your brother, your sister, or just somebody on TV or whatever. If somebody claims to be God, just go ahead and write them off as crazy. 
right? Just like they're crazy. They, they have lost their mind. They have no sense. They're, they're insane. Unless, unless they predict their death, their burial, and their resurrection, and then they do it. And then, and then they do it. Then they, then, then they allow themselves to be killed. They allow themselves to be buried. And then three days later, they go ahead and they get up. They resurrect their own body. And at that point, you might want to listen to them. And that's exactly what happens in James's life. He grew up with his brother and he thought he knew his brother because he knew things about his brother. But there came a moment when James had an encounter with his brother where he realized his brother isn't who he thought he was. He is who he said he was. And this is the encounter. This is, this is exactly what happened. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the words of Paul. He says, for I received... Uh, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Now, I want you to, I want you to hold on to that. He appeared to all these people, you know, uh, and, 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 and he goes on and he says this, he says, he appeared to 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. In other words, Paul is saying, if you want to go ask them about it, you can. You can go ask them. Though some have fallen asleep, and I love this. It's so easy to lose this. The Bible says, then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And now Paul's talking about himself. And he says, and last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born I love love the sentence then he appeared to James it's not even a whole sentence it's a phrase and it's so easy to lose it in that passage as as Paul is really giving us really that that passage is the gospel in just a few sentences that is that is the complete message of Christianity boiled down to just a few phrases but I love how in the middle of that great theological discourse and that great defense of the resurrection of Christ, you guys are like, they're already on the stage? Wow. Can't believe he's getting done with 11 minutes and 26 seconds left. <laughs> that was funny. Then he appeared to James. I don't know. Maybe... And I can relate to this a little bit. Maybe you can too. Maybe just like James, you've spent a good portion of your life feeling lost. You know, for James, he would have been lost in his big brother's shadow, right? For James, he would have been the one that was secondary to Jesus. Maybe James felt lost in his doubt lost in his fear, lost in his anger, lost in his pain, lost in his questions. Maybe you feel lost. We have to ask ourselves, how did James, how did James go from sibling to servant, right? How did he go from antagonist to apologist. And yes, I spent a lot of time trying to figure these out. I'll start with the same letter. How did he go from passive observer 
to passionate follower? How did he go from detractor to disciple? It's because James had a real encounter with a real person who he thought he knew. And and I'm willing to believe that even in a crowd this small, there are many of you who who have said, I I know Jesus, but but here's the question I wanna ask you. Do you really know him for yourself? Or do you know him from what a pastor has taught you or from what a parent has taught you? Do you really know him for yourself? And James had a real encounter with a real person who really was God in the flesh. And that person was the real Jesus, not brother Jesus, but from James's own lips, it was Lord Jesus. And it changed everything. And now today, I just wanna say like, if you struggle with believing the Bible, if you struggle with, with believing the truth of the gospel, first of all, you are in good company. I don't know any Christian worth their salt who at times does not question their faith and ask themselves, is this real? Is God real? Did this stuff really happen? And if you've never questioned those things, then you probably ought to a little bit because when you question, it forces you to dig down deep and to ask the hard questions of yourself. Like, why do I follow this? Why do I believe this? Do I believe it because somebody taught it to me? Or do I believe it because I've had an encounter with Jesus myself? And if you haven't had an encounter with him for yourself, then you're, I'm just telling you, your faith is not gonna stand under the test of trials and temptations. But when you've had an encounter with him for yourself, go ahead, you can celebrate. When you've had an encounter with him for yourself, it changes everything. And that's how you move from being a critic to somebody who is committed and passionate and grounded and full of faith and full of the Spirit, just like this brother of Jesus was himself. And so before we can even talk about his letter, before we can get into the wisdom that James has for us, we should first glean from the how he would introduce himself. I, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he knew, he knew because his whole life, he didn't want to believe it. He didn't, he was so sick and tired of being lost in the shadow of his older brother. He didn't want to believe it. But listen, when he did what he said he was going to do, and when he rose again, and James saw the scars in his hands, when he saw the scars in his feet and the hole in his side, James had no choice but to say, you know, all my life I've doubted. But you really are the Son of God. You really are who you say you are. And what changed it all wasn't a good argument. I've never known anybody's life to change because they lost an argument. If somebody can argue you, argue you into faith in Christ, they can argue you out of faith in Christ. It's as simple as that. His life was changed because he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. Will you stand with me this morning?
So I'm going to ask you one question, and then our team is going to lead us in worship for a few moments. Here's the question. Do you need an encounter with Jesus today? A real encounter. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are like James. Maybe you struggle to believe that Jesus really is who he says he is. Maybe today you're facing situations that, that, that make it hard to believe that the God of the Bible is really who he says he is. And maybe, maybe, and I've been in this place, I've been in this place more times than I would care to admit. Maybe your faith has just grown stale and stagnant and you feel like you're just getting by when you know, according to his word, God made you for so much more than getting by. And you would say, Pastor Drew, I, I today, I want a real encounter with him. And here's the deal. I can't promise you that he's going to show up physically to you. And if he does, please let me know and tell me all about it. He's never done that for me. I can't promise you that he's going to knock you off a horse like he did Paul. I can't promise you that he's going to visit you personally like he did his brother James. But I can promise you that if you will seek him with all of your heart, his word is faithful and true, that he is a rewarder of those who go after him. That he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so today, with everybody eyes open and looking around. Would you say, Pastor Drew, I want to, I need an encounter with Jesus. Is there anybody there? My hand's up first. I beat you all to it because I need it, guys. I need it. I want it. Here's the deal. I don't care how far you've grown in God. There is always next. There is always more. There is always deeper. There is always greater. Come on, all across the room. If you say, Pastor, I want to have an encounter with Jesus, lift that hand up. Come on, let's lift the other hand up too. And can you just for a few moments in your own words, without me telling you what to pray or a song giving you the words to say, can you just go to him right now and tell him, Lord, I want to know you. I want to have an encounter with you today. I want to have an encounter with you that, that lives beyond today, that doesn't just last for today, but that goes with me.